Okay, everybody. So uh, before we get started, I want to kind of issue a, a broad scale uh, warning. Warning may be a little too aggressive of a word, but anyway, I've been told by folks who have been watching uh, my webinar series that uh, they get on and they think they're on like the same one that was last month or whatever because uh, maybe it sounds the same if they're listening to audio or they see the same screens um, and they just assume it's the same presentation. Uh, the opening parts of each presentation is are the same. Uh, that's very much on purpose by me, so I follow a pattern uh, and I don't leave any stone unturned. However, the uh, education or the reveal that I do uh, about the lessons I teach will be different, unique, or at least different or unique or new to you. Um, they're obviously not going to be items that I've never spoken about before. That just would not be the case. However, they will likely be items I've never spoken about in this format uh, on a webinar. Uh, so we want to make sure that you keep listening um, if you've registered for one on a specific topic just because the first couple of screens are the same uh, does not mean that uh, they, it is the same presentation as last time. All right, so now that that's out of the way, um, let's keep going. So today we are going to be covering the topic of direct mail. I, I, I guess that's why um, we've got a record number of attendees. It seems like a really hot topic. Um, and, you know, I kept this uh, this statement of re retain more clients this week, this time, uh, because direct mail is really uh, a system that um, can help you retain more clients uh, this week, next week, every week thereafter. I'm going to share with you my simple direct mail template that will have you uh, new potential clients knocking down your door. Um, I'm not going to teach, here's what I'm not going to do today. I'm not going to teach copy. So I'm not going to teach copywriting. I'm not going to teach like, okay, here's where your headline should go um, for, for lots and lots of reasons. Um, you, you'll understand those reasons as I get into this. What I am going to teach is a system that you can put together today uh, to um, use direct mail inside of your practice. And again, I, I have uh, we're expecting record number of, well, we had record number of registrants. Depending on how many people show up, you never know how many people will show up. But it wouldn't surprise me if there was just no more room at the inn today. Um, so what we're going to learn, uh, I promise that you're going to discover today, is uh, why direct mail should be the weapon in your marketing arsenal. Um, I, I really do believe that there are lots of things you should do at a law firm for marketing. Uh, direct mail should be the constant standard for every law practice. Um, I'm sure there are exceptions, um, none that I can think of. I used to believe there was an exception, and I'll cover that later. I no longer believe that. I didn't actually believe it before, but I, I was able to be sold that it was it was an exception um, by other members or clients in the past, and I, I think I've changed my tune. Uh, I've become more stern in my position on this. Uh, the number one secret to maximize your direct mail campaign. Um, all successful law firms that use direct mail know this. And I, if you use direct mail, you, you know this. You've heard me say it before. Um, I'm going to go through it to make sure we understand it. We'll do a little exercise so we can, we can better understand what we should be doing to maximize this secret. And then I'm going to give you a system, a kind of a step-by-step -step system. Uh, I always like to give you the ability to... Uh, walk away from these presentations with actual uh, usable techniques. If, you, if you're a guest here, um, I don't sell, uh, and I never do. Uh, that's just not what these are about. These are education first. 
Um, I will have an opportunity for questions at the end. If you're watching this at some later time, pre-recorded, um, that you can email me a question and I'm happy to answer it for you, uh, Richard at the richardjames.com. So I'm happy to do that for you. Let me just make sure I meet all. Yep, good. We should be good to go. All right, so tell me, um, who here uh, uses direct mail right now in your marketing? So just put an I or I do or whatever in the chat. I do, I use direct mail, whatever you want to say. Just let me know who's, who's already using direct mail. I got one so far. Chris, I see you're, you're the only one. It's possible, not probable. There you go. Got it. Okay, so we do have some folks that are using direct mail right now. So hopefully I'll be giving those of you who are using direct mail some new ideas as to where you should use direct mail. Uh, maybe I'll be giving you some new ideas as to how you can improve your direct mail. For those of you who's never used direct mail before, um, hopefully I inspire you that using direct mail is something that you should consider. I'm going to, and, I, and well, by the way, I know there's some pretty strong opinions about this, um, having worked with attorneys for a number of years, but I'm going to do my best to um, uh, alleviate, overcome those objections as I go through this. At the end, if, if you still have strong objections, let's talk through it at the end. Uh, I, I allocate 60 minutes. Um, this is a big topic. Uh, I'm going to do my best to get through it in 60. I'll, I'll definitely cover the high spots in 60. Um, the conversation or questions might go longer. Um, we'll see. Uh, you're welcome to stick around or leave if you've, if you've allocated only a certain amount of time. Uh, I get it. Um, all right, got it. Lynn, you just started direct mail last month. That's awesome. Well, I think that um, anybody who's using it, we should be able to give you some great insight. And, and David, you're starting it next Monday. Sounds good. Okay. So um, let's keep going. So I, I, this this is where this stuff gets the same, right? So those first two screens were kind of different. This is where we start to see some of the same screens and same conversation because what you have to understand about me is that everything I do is derived on this concept of freedom. It's funny. I, I for years I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was the marketing guy, you know, the thought leader who helped you with marketing, or the sales guy, the thought leader that helped you in sales or the operations or whatever. I, I have. You know, and I and I would I would really couch myself under this this concept of systems, and that's still true. I believe that you know systems run your law firm, and people should run your systems. And I believe that what I do best is teach law firms how to build systems in their firm. But really, I now I now fully acknowledge that what I'm about more than anything else is freedom, and and helping you achieve freedom as you define it. Now, I've defined it, it the lack of freedom or a scale of freedom, if we should say in a few ways, uh, with some helps from people who are in industries like mine, they've helped me identify this, and it's really this concept of this path. If we look at our business in a chunk of, say, three years, where we are today and where we'll be three years from now largely depends on uh, on the actions that we take, and, and there's this kind of scale from chaos to freedom, chaos being this, I, this concept that, you know, you're, well, if you're in chaos, you know what I mean. I'll define it for you in a second. And then freedom is how you define it. Now, I, I have a definition of freedom. It, I, it may not be your definition of freedom. And, and at my last Partners Club event, I really did define what freedom was to me. And by the way, that changes. I, I literally today just sat down and did my freedom planning again for advanced planning. So 
but let me see if I can put some definitions on this so you know you know what I'm talking about. So depending on what you do right now, uh, from now until three years from now, will depend on kind of where you end up on this scale. And chaos I defined as, you know, an attorney who's in debt, they work seven days a week, they've got no money, no time, no plan. Um, insanity is where they're living month to month. Uh, there's not enough check left at the end of the month. Scared about payroll. If they have employees, they work at least six days a week. And they don't have profit. Usually it's the draw that is the money that comes to them. Um, in this concept of you do nothing over the next three years, your future will be about the same. I, I agree with that. I, I do, however, believe that you can move forward, you can move backward, but you can't stand still. So I think if you do nothing, you actually start moving more towards chaos than you do anything else. Um, you could have a healthy firm, which is where we start to see positive results, where your staff runs your business, you can work five days a week, and you have profit. I say some profit, you know, I, I want to talk about profit in, in the realm of that, you know, 10 to 15%, 15% and north of that is what I consider really, really healthy, less than 15% is healthy, and then less than 10% is, uh, I'm happy we're making profit, but we, we should be higher. And profit, by the way, is designed as the amount of money that the firm makes after you as the owner is paid. Um, that's so important. Um, profit is not um, including your overall compensation. Um, and then freedom. And, and this, again, is my definition. You've got at least a half million dollars in liquid net worth. Uh, and I don't mean your house appreciated, right? Um, I mean, like, you can put your hand on cash somewhere. Um, you work three days a week because you want to, um, and you could you could literally leave for a month and your business would grow um, without you, uh, and that's a key. Um, and you have passive income. Um, that means whether you roll over or you roll out of bed in the morning, you make money. And you do this because you really love it, and you may have other business interests or charitable or hobbies or whatever. And and I, I've seen this happen in three years. Um, a firm that's been in chaos and moves to the freedom stage can do this in three years. I've also seen it happen in as little as a year. Arguably, that's rare and it's aggressive, um, but I'm I'm watching it happen every year with our clients. I just had a phone call today with a, a, a husband and wife team that are absolutely on their path, and they've been doing it just about a year. So it's absolutely possible. So this is why we do this, because um, we're trying to help you develop another oil well today in direct mail, and oil wells are these things that gush leads over and over again and ultimately turn into clients and that helps you gain your freedom. So we want to develop a system to accomplish this. This is one of the systems inside the concepts of systems that we teach. Um, why should you listen to me? Well, um, I've personally overseen um, nearly 750,000. I did my best to estimate this. Boy, I don't do, I'm not a copywriter or like a direct mail consultant. Um, and I don't do like done for you direct mail for people. So just to be clear, it's, I'm not selling you like my services. It's not what I do. Um, but personally or with clients or whatever, I, I've overseen directly like 750,000 pieces of direct mail uh, using direct response marketing. Um, and I've witnessed the tests of that. And, and this is going all the way back into the years when I owned the funeral business and whatnot. So uh, this is my own personal experience. Um, I, more importantly, I guess I have law firm marketing specific experience using direct mail. Um, and I use it to generate leads, convert leads, and, and increase revenue. And and I think for me, the most important reason why you should listen to me is because I've personally watched law firms transform their business by adopting the direct mail tactics that I teach. Um, all four of the uh, EAY finalists from this year um, were uh, use, are used direct mail in their campaigns. 
the, this is the winner, Marshall and Fran Slayton. Uh, they won the EAY finalists this year. They won the EAY competition. They were voted on by their peers. Everybody did a great job. But you can see, you know, that you can see their headlines here. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I need to do any more explaining. Uh, each and every one of them use direct mail. There's a lot of commonalities amongst them. One of them is the fact that they use um, direct mail. So this is why you should listen to me. Now, um, for now, I, what, I, what I know about lawyers, especially if you're in this world with me for the first time today, is that many of you are skeptical. Um, if you're using direct mail, uh, you may have your kind of set way of doing things. You may not want to hear the way we tell you to do things. Maybe you've tried direct mail in the past and, and your thought of it is it just doesn't work or it's expensive or maybe you have concerns about direct mail, which we'll address a little bit later. Um, I, I get all of the arguments. I'm not going to argue with you because uh, I find that that doesn't work with attorneys. But I, for today, for the you know next 40 minutes or whatever we have on the call together, I just ask that we start the same way we always start, um, which is just affirming that my business isn't different from your business. And this is the belief that I come from, that I'm going to teach you something that works for you and works for you, whether you're a PI attorney or a family law attorney or a bankruptcy attorney or a DUI attorney or, or, or a consultant like me, or if you were an accountant or a a uh, bagel shop owner or whatever, it wouldn't matter. The principles I'm going to teach you are the same, and, and I fundamentally believe that at our core, all businesses are identical, uh, especially professional service businesses. We have a tremendous amount of com uh, commonalities. So I just ask that you take an oath with me. This is how we start the process. I'm not going to turn off the audio. I'm not going to hear you. I can see you if you, if you have the uh, video on, um, but I'm going to raise my right hand and repeat after me. Uh, my business is not different from yours. Okay. That's how we get started, right? We're on the right path. Um, we've got this idea that we, none of us are, you know, are in a business that's necessarily different. And for the purpose of today, we're just going to set aside any disbeliefs that we have about that concept and just kind of ask yourself, how can I take the principles that Richard's talking about and use them in my practice today? Uh, we always start with this concept of the perfect client life cycle. Today, inside the perfect client life cycle, we're talking about lead generation. Um, and then we're also talking about converting over to appointments, uh, increasing the show rate, um, increasing the hire rate, and getting paid. So um, using direct mail is not just about lead generation. I think it's super important I make that clear. Um, using direct mail has an awful lot to do with converting through the perfect client lifecycle. Um, so th those are folks that Remember, I've originally said no, right? No, I don't want to hire your firm. Well, let's start in the beginning. No, I don't want to set an appointment with your firm. So they called and just got information. No, I don't want to show up to the appointment I set. They set an appointment and didn't show. No, no, I don't want to retain your firm. You know, they met with you, but they didn't retain in that initial consultation. Uh, no, I don't want to pay my bill. So they've agreed to pay you in some way, um, but they're not sticking to that agreement. Direct mail. Uh, can be and should be used. As a matter of fact, I would say you should be using it here before you use it anywhere else um, to increase conversions along this. Um, so, so we'll talk about that a little bit. I'm not going to. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll, you'll you'll see what my position is on this. So, I just want you to know that you should be thinking about it from the concept of how to use it inside of your PCLC. All right. So. One of the questions is, why should direct mail be your number one asset? So that's the first um, thing we're going to talk about. Why should direct mail be your number one asset? Um, so, you know, when, when we live in a day and, an a, a day and age where um, the marketers of the world are being, you know, are banging on your door saying, use pay-per-click, uh, get a new website, 
um, uh, build social media campaigns, um, digital marketing companies is the new, uh, you know, cutting edge terminology. And that's cool. I use all of them. Um, but they oftentimes say like direct mail is dead. I've heard that before. And, and it really doesn't work because of all this other stuff that's out there. Uh, and I would just say, if that's the case, why do these guys use it? Right? So two of the biggest leaders, Google and Amazon, um, of the internet, are using direct mail. So if direct mail is dead, why are they using it? Uh, and the answer is because they recognize uh, two things. One, oftentimes direct mail lifts all boats. Um, and two, uh, direct mail uh, uh, can get to people that ordinarily uh, couldn't be gotten to online. There are people who just don't respond online. Um, for lots of different reasons. Um, some of it's just the overall overwhelming clutter, and some people just simply don't operate online um, the way maybe you and I do. And so direct mail is a play that the largest of internet companies have recognized that they need to use. Here are my law firm reasons, right? So the law firm reason why you want to be using direct mail is it allows you to laser target your desired audience. Um, so you can oftentimes purchase direct mail lists of people who are going through the type of pain or change in their life that is, it lines up exactly with where you, you want them to be, to want to hire you for your services. So it's, Put yourself, it depends on, you know, what kind of practice area you are. But in some states, you can buy lists of people who were in auto accidents. Other states, you can't. Um, if, you, uh, if you're in a state where you can buy um, lists of information of people who had a DUI this week, last week, yesterday, um, or criminal cases of other kinds, or folks who were been sued, um, or are about to lose their home, or somebody who just had a baby, or a death or is being is getting married so you can think about like all the different types of lists you can purchase um, you can you can use direct mail to directly speak to those people see all of your other types of advertising TV media uh, or pardon me billboards radio any kind of mass media you're putting a, a you know a wide a message out over a wide area and you're hoping that the people who are running into you um, are ready to do business. And so while I get it, and that's your job as a marketer is to be in front of the person who's ready to make a buying decision and so that they think of you when they make that buying decision, that's your job is to be in front of them as often as possible. It makes your job a lot easier if you can go where they already are. There's an old saying, it was, um, you know, where should I build a restaurant? It's a question, where should I build a restaurant? And, and the answer is where there's a starving crowd or there's a hungry crowd. Um, and so uh, a direct mail allows you to do this better than any other media. Uh, certainly pay-per-click and, uh, and those types of things help. And, and, they, and they too can hyper-target. I'm not suggesting this is an either-or conversation. This is a both-and conversation. I, I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting we don't use those other things. But direct mail is one way uh, that we can attract people who maybe we wouldn't normally be able to attract online. Um, it's consistent across all markets. So 
of all of the things that I teach, direct mail is pretty consistent. In most markets, you can buy the lists I'm talking about. Uh, in most markets, well, in all markets, postage is the same, envelopes are the same, the USPS delivers mail, FedEx delivers mail, and the costs are similar. So if a, if a piece of mail costs $1.25 to send in Oklahoma, that same piece of mail likely costs $1.25 to send in California. Um, whereas if I'm running a TV ad, I might run a TV ad in Los Angeles that's four grand, whereas in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that same TV ad I can run for $650. So, you know, the TV, radio, media, it's not the same uh, for all those mass type of productions, including pay-per-click, you know, uh, DUI in Los Angeles is likely going to cost, you know, 50 bucks a click, whereas DUI in Jersey, uh, you know, Englewood, New Jersey, is, is liable to cost maybe $18 a click. I'm making those numbers up, but you get my point, right? Uh, whereas direct mail is consistent. So that's really important. So when I'm educating you about this, you need to know that um, this, is, this has a consistency to it that you can duplicate in your area where other things I teach may or may not be able to be done by you in your area. Um, you attract a better quality client. So um, direct mail, folks who respond to direct mail, uh, I don't have any like um, Pew research results to share with you. I can just tell you from my own experience um, that I found that they, they typically hire at a higher rate. They have a higher client value. Um, and so uh, there is more, they are more likely to refer. And I, I don't, know why. I, I, this is one of those times when I, I can't give you why. Jim Rohn would say, you know, I wouldn't sign up for that class when somebody asks him why. This is one of those times, like, I think you guys kind of trust me, that, uh, a, a I mean, clients who come from direct mail, in my experience, are just a better quality client. Um, they've taken more time to digest your material. They've put some thought in it. That they've had to leave what they were doing and actually pick up the phone or go to the internet. Um, or mail back your card or walk into your office or whatever you ask them to do. And, and they had to take an extra step, jump through an extra hoop. They, they opened their mail, which made them conscientious in a, in a way that other people weren't. Uh, we didn't hunt them down. We didn't stalk them. So they just, they were just, a, they're a better quality client. And so this is one of the key reasons to use direct mail. And the other thing is that it increases the PCLC conversions. I talked about that lightly before, but you know, I've said uh, the firm I built in Phoenix um, to three and a half million dollars in annual gross sales. 60% um, of the people who uh, retained the firm originally said no. So, you know, that means that if 100 people retained the firm this month, 60 of them at one point in the past had said no, no, I'm not going to. Uh, an appointment. No, I'm not going to show. No, I'm not going to retain the firm. Uh, no, I'm not going to pay the bill. And so they had said no at some point in the past, and, and we convinced them to say yes at some point. Um, and we used direct mail as one of the tools to do that in our unconverted lead campaigns. And, and the reason why that was so powerful is because it allowed us to acquire clients at a much lower rate because we were just increasing conversions. So if you want to increase the number of people who set appointments, if you want to increase the number of people who show, the number of people who hire or retain the firm, uh, one of the things you need to do is, is fix your follow-up. Um, oftentimes there's holes in the follow-up bucket. 
of a law firm. And uh, I often say the fortune is in the follow-up. Direct mail is one of the ways in which you want to fix your follow-up. Um, and it may very well be the most powerful way to fix your follow-up. All right, so these are the reasons why you want to use direct mail. Let me just take a look over. Oh, very good, there is a question. Um, um, Maria, you asked the question privately, but I'm gonna, I, it doesn't look like it's private, so I'm just gonna answer it out loud. So you asked me if you're, if how to buy lists in Ontario. I'll, I'll kind of send you in that direction. I promise you I'll get there. Simon, you asked me, um, what does PCL mean? PCLC mean, sorry, I, I apologize. I forget to sometimes uh, remember, I need to clarify that. So this is your perfect client life cycle. So perfect client life cycle, really that should be too a break in that life and cycle. It all depends on which grammar person you're talking to. Anyway, perfect client life cycle. So the path in which the uh, client moves from a lead all the way to a referral. So most firms, uh, a lead will come in, raise their hand, then they will set an appointment, and then they will show up to their appointment, and then they will retain the firm, and then they will agree to pay their bill, and then they will send you a referral. And every firm is a little different in maybe the way that they do that, uh, and maybe even what they call those things, but this is the fundamental life cycle of all firms. It's a common thread I find runs through all law firms. And then we measure the percentages down below. Um, I've done a more advanced presentation on this. If you're interested in that, send me a, an email, richard at therichardjames.com, and I'm happy to uh, send you a more detailed presentation on the PCLC. Okay, so um, here we are uh, coming to the, the number one, why it should be your number one asset. Um, let's get to the number one secret. Uh, and so the number one secret to direct mail um, it may, you may know this, you may not, but it is you must get your direct mail piece open. So when you send somebody an email uh, in email marketing, uh, they measure what they call open rates. And most email services will tell you what your open rate is. Like they'll tell you if you sent 100 emails, what percentage of them opens their email. And usually that open rate is anywhere from uh, 6%, you know, or 4%. Um, all the way up to as high as 30%, uh, very rarely higher than 30%. And, and it gets, the higher it gets, the more relationship you have with your list and, and the more likely it is you're sending them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, whereas with direct mail, we have no way of knowing what our open rate is. Like there's no machine, unfortunately, that'll tell us, oh, you know, I sent a direct mail piece to Sam Smith and Sam Smith open the mail. But what we know from our own personal experience and years done of this idea of open rates with direct mail is that people typically um, separate their mail into three fundamental piles. And so there's C pile mail, B pile mail, and A pile mail. And basically what this means, if you can imagine yourself if you still go to, or if you used to go to the mailbox, uh, I remember when I was a young man, I loved going to the mailbox. I don't go to the mailbox really anymore until my ECIB, that's my East Coast Italian bride, yells at me to go to the mailbox because my teenage son didn't go to the mailbox. Um, but anyway, um, and, and that's a whole other reason about time management. But, but, but let's just stay on track with me. Sorry, I digressed. Um, if I go to the mailbox and I were to open up my mail and look at it, I would kind of sort things immediately, almost walking back from the mailbox, right? So the C pile mail is what goes in what we call the circular file, right? So the garbage can. 
And so that's the ads we know we're not going to open up. Um, maybe way back when the Valpack, I, now I do open the Valpack because I'm interested in what who's advertising and what they're doing. Uh, and today I actually probably save the advertising more than I save anything else. Um, but all of the junk mail you don't want, right? And if I can recognize it, certainly during the campaigning uh, months, I'm tossing things away very quickly. That's literally going into a pile as I'm walking back to the house or to the office. B-pile mail is mail that we we know we have to deal with, um, but we're going to deal with it later. So maybe it's suspect because we can't really tell what it is, uh, but we're, we're not willing to throw it away because it, it looks like it might be something important. Uh, maybe it's a bill uh, that we know we're going to have to deal with or an invoice or something of that nature that we're going to put aside to deal with later on. And then A-pile mail is the mail that you open right away. It's usually like the best example I can give you is when you're at college, the blue, Robin Blue, your grandmother with the little you know, sticker she got from uh, the Lions Club uh, that had a return address on it with the little flowers on it. It's kind of, it was silver and it was in her perfect penmanship. You know, that sucker got opened like on the way back because you knew you were going to be stuffing a 20 or 10 uh, or a check or whatever into your wallet on the way back to your dorm room, right? Like that, that's a pile mail. Like that's the stuff you open on the way home. Um, and, and so the question is, is, how do we get your mail to a pile mail? And, and that's really the secret. The secret of this is getting it to a pile mail. So um, what, what I'd like to do is, my audio is skipping a bit. My internet is slow, I think. My voice is breaking up. Oh, this is great. How about that? I should have looked at that before. 224, 229. So for the last five minutes, I've got some audio breaking up. All right, sorry about that. Uh, let's see the best way to fix that. Let me fix that by going in direct. All right. Talk slower. Thanks, Howard. Okay. So it's got it's making me stay with my audio that I've done. I'm going to stay with it and try to talk slower. Um, I'll keep my eye on the screen to see if I hopefully don't skip. Okay. So um, what we're going to talk about now is some of the ways to get into a pile mail. And so I'm curious. I want to hear from you how you get into a pile mail. So I've got some ideas that I'm gonna share them with you, I promise. But I'm curious, what do you uh, think, or what do you do to get into a pile mail? So you can, I think I can bring this over here, now everybody can see it, and then you guys can just type in ideas. If you don't have any ideas, that's fine, I'll share with you mine. Um, but um, let's see if we can, um, everybody so we use a shiny envelope okay yep gig and I, I agree with that uh, we'll talk about that um, in a little bit anybody else do anything to get their their mail into a uh, letter from attorneys usually open people wonder why I'm contacting them they're being sued okay good send in real letterhead not white Xerox paper real stamp case sensitive address good 
I don't send anything, okay? I use my letterhead so it looks like I'm from an attorney, it is. Uh, send candy, love it, uh, love it. Um, I'm considering hand addressing, good, we'll talk about that. Candy is good. Um, okay, good, so I never tried. We did a flyer, it looks like a postcard. All right, you know, one of the nice things about postcards is that it typically gets, it's already opened. Um, Handwrite envelopes, that's from my bride. I'm gonna move her into everyone here. There we go. Um, and uh, you haven't sent it out yet. Okay, Maria, I got it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about postcards in a, in a second here. Uh, I'm gonna kind of go through my list. So let's, let me go through my list. So here are some of the ideas for to help you get your mail open. Um, so we're about 2.30, and this is why I say this is a really big subject, because like I could talk about all of these for hours, so it's tough to cover this subject in the time that we have. Um, by the way, is my audio better, or am I still breaking up? Better, good. Thanks, friend. Okay, so um, the... Uh, the handwritten envelope. So that means that you're actually having somebody write out the envelope address uh, by hand. Um, I have proven in all of my tests. So the direct mail that we use, we send a thousand pieces of mail every week, um, and I'm about to add at least a thousand more uh, every week um, right now. And we market to attorneys. Many of you probably came into my world because you got a direct mail piece and you requested a book. Uh, and that those uh, direct mail pieces uh, are written in a number 10 envelope uh, and they're hand addressed by a live person. Um, and then we use what's called a live stamp. Oops, sorry. We use a live stamp. So the live stamp um, is like an actual stamp. Now, the other thing is about the live stamp. I, I actually use um, like a different type of stamp. So I try not to use the flag. I try to use something a little bit unique because even sometimes the flag looks like, you know, kind of um, mass produced mail. And so I'll try to use a different type of stamp. A blind return address means that uh, we don't use the law firm. Um, so sometimes the law firm is good, but depending on the practice area, sometimes uh, I've seen blind addresses actually beat it. Now, some bar associations won't let you do that. I get it. But if you can, it's always nice to test. Teaser copy means that you actually have something written on the outside of the envelope. Um, it could be printed on there, or you can have somebody actually write it on there, or you can buy one of those stampers and put it on there. Um, these are things like, you know, do not bend, um, photo enclosed, uh, urgent, uh, time sensitive, um, whatever. Things that, again, incite them to want to open it because it's somehow different or unique. Um, they'll use an oversized envelope, so rather than using a number 10 envelope, maybe using a number 11 envelope, or maybe even using a 8.5 by 11 envelope, pardon me, yeah, an 8.5 by 11 envelope, um, like a, a regular manila envelope. Um, maybe use an oversized postcard, because you won't have to get it opened, it's already open, people can read it. Um, you can use fake or faux express mail envelopes, make these envelopes that look like express mail, they're not really express mail, but um, they they so at one point they were so good that they they tricked the post office and so the before long ago when the postal service didn't deliver on Sunday except using the express mail um, they had postal uh, delivery people delivering these fake express mail envelopes 
um, until the post office came down on the people who were manufacturing them and they can't do that anymore. So now they're a different color, but they still look pretty authentic, but the post office knows not to deliver them on a Sunday. Um, the fake check mailing, there might be a place for that in, in law. Uh, it would be a very specific place, but it looks like there's a check in the envelope. Again, this is all designed to get your mail open. Uh, appearance of being official, you've seen those envelopes that they look like they have a, t you tear off the perforated edge and there's something inside, like as if your bank was sending your PIN number, anything that makes it look like it's official or from a government en entity. Again, I'm not suggesting that we um, lie, cheat, or steal, and I'm not suggesting we, we don't want to be ethical. We do want to be ethical. Let me couch this by saying you should put everything through your ethics council, make sure it's good, and, and you should you know, work with your bar association to make sure everything is above board, whether your bar association allows you to send it and then get approval or get approval before you send it, you should kind of do what they say because you don't want to get in trouble. Um, you can actually hand deliver mail like through a courier service. That sounds crazy, but um, we'll talk about this cost thing in a little bit. Uh, if your cost is, is in line, I mean, if your client value is in line and your conversion is high enough, it wouldn't matter if you hand delivered it. So, you know, if you can't get it open and you need to hand deliver to test to see if the mail works, uh, that's certainly one way to make sure that that happens. Um, and, and yes, I know you can't go into people's mailboxes because it's a federal offense. I'm not suggesting that you do. I'm suggesting you literally knock on their door and hand deliver it. And, and I've seen people do it with courier services, especially if they're business to business, if you're a business to business attorney. Uh, send it FedEx. Let them do the work for you. Yeah, it it costs more to send each piece, but again, it comes down to conversion. It's, we're in the arithmetic business, right? What is the return on investment from the campaign that you're doing? It doesn't matter if, if it seems like it's expensive. At some point, you want to test it to see if it actually works. A little inside baseball, like for me, FedEx actually didn't really work um, for me with lawyers because lawyers you're kind of used to getting FedEx or envelopes from other businesses or other attorneys or whatever and for whatever I'm, I'm guessing that's why we didn't see such an increased return on investment from using FedEx when we tried it um, but you know when they do they did the handwritten envelope we did so I tested it and it didn't work um, unique envelope somebody set a bubble envelope or a shiny envelope you can get them on Uline uh, Singeing the edges. Uh, I think I spelled singe right there. So uh, singe, like, like actually, like take, I had a client who actually used to burn the edges uh, with a match and just like put it out so it looked like it was burned. It didn't look like it was burned. It was burned, and and uh, their 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 uh, return rate went like through the ceiling because people were now opening this thing to see if it was if it was damaged. Um, it sounds crazy, but you know, it worked. Um, it was a little dangerous to do it in house, but it worked. You can't find, really find a company that'll send you, sell you envelopes with singed edges. Uh, add dimension to the envelope. And this is, there's a few ideas here. So this is called three dimensional mail. You know, you can, you can put your actual piece in a pill bottle. You can put a puzzle piece in there. You can actually send fruit in the mail. Like you can send almost anything in the mail, by the way. I've seen people send watermelons in the mail and coconuts in the mail. And they literally just put the address on a coconut, the postage on a coconut, and the mail uh, postage delivered it. So you, you can send mail in just about any container size. Um, uh, it, so I'm, I'm not saying that you should do it. I'm just saying you can think about this. You can put keys in an envelope. You've all gotten the keys from the car dealers, and there may be a reason to do that. Um, the puzzle piece, uh, as I said earlier, the magnifying glass or a mini Rubik's Cube, there's no shortage of ideas of what you can put in your mail piece to give it dimensions. And 
when you do this, you're going to want to tie your copy together with this. Again, I'm not going to teach you how to write copy today, um, but just how to get your mail opened. It's using your brain to open up that concept that we're going to do something to send the mail in a way that people find it interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, there you go, Marie. Use small trinkets. Um, so, uh, what is a singed edge? I think I gave that to you, Howard. Good. So you want to make sure that the point is uh, we could, I could probably spend an hour just going through each one of these and talking through them with you. That, that wasn't the point today. The point was to try to give you a system and, and to get you to think if you're already using it, what should you be doing to getting it open? Here's what I want you to caution you. Like I should have a big warning sign here, right? Warning, warning, warning. Do not say, oh, I can't do this because. Like, remember, my business is no different from yours. Don't say, oh, I can't do this because it'll make the cost of the direct mail piece go up. Or I can't do this because my bar association won't let me. Um, we'll, we'll talk about some of that later, but just don't do that. Let's say, let's ask ourselves, how can I do this? What if I were to do this and it made a difference would I figure out how to keep doing more of it? And really, when I define make a difference, remember the arithmetic I'm talking about is um, if I take what I spend on the marketing and I track all the way through the leads that were generated in this marketing piece, and I can pay attention to how many clients came out the other side, and I know what my client value is. So I have what I spent on marketing, and I have uh, what my total client value was because of the pieces that I sent out. And I do the simple division, right? I divide my marketing costs into my total client value of all the clients I acquired from that marketing source. That will give me a rough return on investment of that piece. Um, I'm usually looking for, I tell people, a three to one, three times marketing. So if I spend $1,000, I want to generate $3,000. Um, I want more than that, but I'm looking for a three to one to feel like it's viable. Um, I try, if anything is less than a three to one, I often jettison it pretty quickly, but with direct mail, um, I will test over longer periods because it takes a while to dial everything in, to buy the right list, to get the right message, to have the right copy, get the right envelope. You've got to try a bunch of different things to actually figure it out. So direct mail in the beginning, I'm really looking for a break even. Um, and, and from there, I'm looking to build and I'm trying to get to my magic number of like a five to one uh, return on investment. So that means if I spend $1,000, I can turn it into $5,000. That's kind of the math. All right. How long do you test a piece? Oh, good question. Um, so Amy, the, um, the, the length of time you test a piece for like, is, is as short as one campaign. So I would, I would test it a, I would run a campaign for a month. So if I'm doing direct mail, I'm going to run a campaign for a month. So if, if I'm, if I'm mailing every week, I'm going to do four mailings and then see the results. So I, I recently did this, by the way. I, uh, my prior management had, had stopped testing using a piece that we tested and, was, and the test failed and was supposed to go back. And I had hired Kennedy to review my direct mail and uh, that Dan Kennedy is my mentor. Um, and I paid him a boatload of money to do it. And um, when I was preparing the science for him and the math, I recognized that prior management didn't go back and re change the piece. You know, it's my fault ultimately, but I found out that that mistake was made. 
And so I went, and before I had him review that piece, I wanted to go test the real piece. So I ran a four-week test, and lo and behold, I, I doubled conversion, um, which meant I chose a different piece to send to Dan. And it was good because it saved me from having him review something I already had figured out a long time ago that worked. But I tested it over four weeks, so that four-week test gave me the answer I was looking for. What idea would you recommend starting with for you? I, so the reason it's at the top is handwritten envelopes and a live stamp um, with blind return address. I mean, this is this is the holy grail for me. That's why it's at the top. I use it. That's where I do everything anymore. Um, I'm trying to find you folks a solution that's less expensive than having a stay-at-home mom do it. But I, I got to tell you, I still pay a stay-at-home mom uh, to write envelopes for me every week. And she writes a thousand envelopes a week and stuffs them and does stamps and all that. So I just find a stay-at-home mom that'll do it for me. That's how I do it. All right, let's keep going. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes left and I still got to get your step-by-step -step system. So let's kind of break this down for you. So here's what you do first. So if you if you want to get your direct mail, the first thing you have to do is acquire your list. So the person who asked about Canada. Um, so you want to determine the frequency of your new list acquisition. So like, are you going to get a new list updated every week? You know, so if you're a criminal attorney and you're trying to get to them fast, you're going to get it done every week. And if you have a high volume criminal practice, you're going to get it every day. Um, if you're a bankruptcy attorney, are you going to be mailing on a monthly list? When, how often are you acquiring your list? Um, to each his own, there's no right or wrong answer. I would say the more urgency your practice area has, the, the, the shorter period of time you want to run your frequencies. Um, you can get your uh, house list of unconverted leads. Again, this requires that you know who originally said, no, I don't want to set, no, I don't want to show, no, I don't want to hire your firm. Um, no, I don't want to pay my bill. So you have to be, you have to have a, a system of harvesting that data, which is a whole other webinar for a whole other time. But if you do, you can start with your unconverted leads and just start sending them unconverted lead messages. That could be as simple as, "Hey, I haven't heard from you. Uh, it was nice to meet with you. It was nice to talk to you on the phone, and we'd love to set up a time to talk." It could be that simple, or it could be more advanced. Um, you're going to purchase a list from a list broker if you need to. Um, you can start with Macromark, the person in Canada, that's where I would start. I would start with a company like Macromark. Um, but if you type in list broker in your, in your area in Google, you'll find a bunch of them. But Macromark is a national brand company that's got services that can sell you. They tend to be a little bit more expensive, but they're very easy to work with. Um, and, then, and then the other thing I would look for in a lot of areas, there are vendors who already do this for lawyers, and they've already... They are they already gather the lists. So um, I mean Howard, you saw Howard ask a question earlier, um, and he was a, is an EAY finalist three years running, and um, that wasn't a dig, Howard. That was a compliment. Um, the the uh, he you know when he started using direct mail, he t just started using a vendor um, that other guys and gals were already using. Um, so it wasn't like it was a secret and and his practice like changed you know literally with not using direct mail generating whatever 30 40 50 leads i don't know what it was and and using direct mail and generating you know more more than 200 plus leads a month so um just because other vendors there was a vendors who were doing this for other attorneys in town he just his direct mail piece worked better um or they resonated with him or whatever it doesn't matter so you might be able to find somebody in your town who's already doing this for folks um and again, it's not a service that I offer, um, but you can Google them and find them. Uh, the other thing I would do is just ask your other attorneys in town um, who, who's using what, who do they know of, and you'll, you'll be surprised how quickly you'll find that information. 
Um, hire direct mail consultant that can help you. Um, I, I work with one. You know, a lot of you know him. He's Craig Simpson. I, I, I don't know when you're going to be watching this, and, and I'm assuming Craig's still going to be in business and whatnot. Um, but if you want uh, to, to know the name of a, of a direct mail consultant, email me, and I'll email you Craig's information. It's richard at therichardjames.com. You basically pay them to help you go out and procure the list. I mean, I just paid them to procure my list. For 2019 and you can pay them for more advanced so, so if you do a lot of direct mail and you want to see if you can get better results oftentimes hiring a consultant to help you is a, is a really good uh, expense because uh, you can either pay them one time to take a look at what you're doing or you can pay them on and on to make sure these maximizing results for you so acquiring your list is the first step so just think about it like this the first thing we have to do is we have to get a list right so we want to know who we're trying to attract and, and that's a big conversation but you have to you have to kind of know based on your practice area who you're trying to attract and if you have multiple practice areas i suggest you start with one don't don't start with many start with one um second thing is you need to write your copy so you have to have a letter um listen it can be really simple i've seen i've seen really simple direct mail pieces work um simple as a, a, a five-line letter uh, on letterhead that that generated leads and and had an average client cost of $183. I, I've seen it work. Um, and then I've seen pieces that are really complicated and really long work better, uh, you know, to the tune of like 30-page direct mail pieces. That sounds crazy, but it works, believe it or not. And the answer to how long should the copy be, and the answer is as long as it needs to be. Uh, I, I worked with the guy who owns Copy Chief. I, I'm assuming he's still going to be around. You can hire him to kind of align you with the right copywriter. You can also go to uh, AWAI. Um, I think it's American Writers and Artists Institute. Anyway, you can go to there and they, they can kind of match you up with the right copywriter or a copywriter that can help you write copy. Uh, you can also write it yourself. Um, I sometimes think the best copy comes from you. You kind of know your market better than anybody else. Um, you can ethically borrow examples from attorneys on the island of Richard James, and we've created this island for those of you that are members. Um, you're crazy not to go out and talk to a non-competing attorney in this world and say, hey, you know, I know you're in this practice area in a different geographic strait, and I know you use uh, direct mail. You know, can I do anything for you to swap with you or whatever? Can you, you know, you'd be surprised how often uh, a non-competitive attorney just says, yeah, sure, here, have it, you know. Um, I know there's there's companies out there that have um, licensed uh, attorney content, uh, like Travis Lee from 3D Mail Results uh, for DUI. He was looking for five or six uh, different um, people just to work with a DUI client um, uh, and launch an exclusive area exclusive program for direct mail. So there there are avenues out there. Um, if you're in Partners Club, and this isn't a pitch for Partners Club, I just want to remind you, um, if you're in Partners Club, I wrote uh, unconverted lead uh, direct mail pieces, uh, three-part series that includes the um, that includes the um, ten myths report for each practice area. For every practice area you can think of, um, I wrote it for you. You can use it, take it, and use it uh, as a part of your membership with no obligation. Um, no restrictions. You can change it, do whatever you want with it. I put it on the queue. So on the dashboard, you can go grab it for yourself. If you're a Partners Club member, um, I, I did that for you. I literally wrote the pieces and you can take them and use them. So if you're not a Partners Club member, um, again, I would hire a, a copywriter unless you want to take some time to write it yourself, um, create some uh, unconverted lead uh, mail uh, that is going to um, talk to the folks who originally said no. Okay, so you got to write your copy. The third thing you need to do is use a graphics person. So I find um, people, attorneys miss this a lot. 
um, it really helps. A good graphics person really, really helps um, create direct mail pieces that stand out. Um, and so I, I highly recommend using, after you have your copy written, getting a graphics person to help you. Um, our graphics designer, Wyatt Hill, um, who does a lot of our work for us, started a new business. I, I you know, recommend him. He does a good job. I don't know how many clients he can handle. Uh, more national brand is 99designs. Uh, you can find designers anywhere. You can go to Upwork and find designers. Um, there's a company my son started using called Design Pickle. Um, and you can actually pay them a monthly fee and, and they'll um, they'll just do, uh, you know, different levels of service for you uh, on an ongoing uh, monthly fee for all the design work you have. Um, but regardless of who you use, uh, my point is you want to use a designer to get your direct mail piece uh, looking uh, the right way. Um, and then track, 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 right? So we got our list, we wrote our piece, um, we um, had a designer make the piece, and now we want to make sure we set up tracking. So this is vital, folks. If, if you're going to use direct mail, you must, and I, and I mean like must, this should be another big warning, must track your results. You have to get a tracking phone number. Um, do not use your regular firm phone number when you send direct mail. Get a dedicated phone number so you can track how many phone calls you get. I mean, the metrics in direct mail is the number of pieces you send minus uh, the returns that you get, we call them Nixies, so minus the returns, right? That's divided into the number of leads that you get. So if you send 100 pieces, 110 pieces, and you get a 10 returns that came back, and you got 10 leads, basically your direct mail piece converted at 10%, which by the way, if that happens, you know, jump for joy. Uh, a usually targeted list in law, I, I oftentimes see two to four percent. Um, generally accepted direct mail acceptance, by the way, is one percent. My direct mail, just so we're clear, is just north of a half of a percent uh, uh, lead conversion rate. Um, so, because I'm sending to attorneys and business to business, when you're sending to a list, because you know, I can't find attorneys who they don't sell me lists of attorneys who want consulting help. Uh, so I can't buy that. I got to buy a list of all attorneys. When you buy a list of somebody who just got a DUI and you send them a message about DUI or somebody who just got a felony and send them a message about a felony, your conversion is just much higher. Um, so you should expect that 2 to 4% mark. But you want to track it. You won't be able to know that unless you track it. So you should have a dedicated URL, not your website. Uh, again, this is a, uh, the, the landing page argument is a whole other presentation I did at another time uh, that you can you can access. Um, you want to offer mail, uh, mail back or walk-in cards, meaning, you know, don't just assume they're going to call you or they're going to uh, go to your website. Like, give them a, the ability to bring it in with them or uh, mail it back to you in case they prefer not to call you or not to go to a website or whatever. Uh, don't take, you know, you would think fax is dead, but like one-third of all of our leads that come in from direct mail come in from fax. Go figure, Right. Um, I'm not saying consumers are going to use facts, but if you're a business-to-business -business attorney, you should be using facts. Um, ensure your lead source of every lead is harvested. So this makes sure that when your leads are coming in, you know, when your phone is ringing, you're harvesting every single lead every single time. Um, this is back to that original system that I talk about with the PCLC and doing a deep dive on that. But you know, you have to ensure that your phones are being answered correctly and that you're harvesting your leads and tracking what's going on. If you're not, you there's no way to use direct mail. So if successfully and, and know that it's working, um, just fundamentals are so essential when having direct mail. Uh, and 
and inspect your campaign is working. Here's a big one. Um, you know, test your direct mail piece before you send it. After you've got it done and proofed and you've printed off your proof, go down and actually type in the URL just like your, your prospect would do. Pick up the phone and call the phone number just like your prospect would do. If you put your email on there, email the email just like your prospect would do. Why? Because you'd be surprised how often we screw these things up. A designer screws it up. A designer transposes a number, whatever. Um, so, um, uh, what's a mail back? Uh, okay, so let me finish my thought, gang, and I'll, t I'll answer that. So just make sure you test your, you test everything, right? Listen, I've sent 10,000 pieces back in 2002. I sent 10,000 pieces to my prospects in four color, beautifully printed, awesome things with the wrong phone number. Okay, I had to go buy the phone number from the phone company. Thankfully, it was available, and I bought another toll-free phone number, and I got it. But it was, it was too late to fix it. It was already out in the mail by the time I figured it out because I missed my number one rule of test, test, test before I sent it. If you're doing this long enough, you're going to make these mistakes. Um, sorry, so uh, getting a mailback is like a mailback card. Um, so, like, you could have it so that you you put a card in the in the envelope that says, mail this back if you want a free copy of my book. Mail this back if you want us to contact you. Um, they, they work best when they're requesting something like a copy of your book or a free report or something that you're offering. So, it's like a mail back card. Uh, recommended vendor for tracking numbers. Yeah, Jeff, I would use um, call8, K-A-L-L, the number 8.com, or I would use, um, like, Call rail again. You know, if you're watching this at some point in the future, uh, just Google call tracking numbers, and you'll find a, a good source out there. I, I tend to like the numbers. I don't have to have a I tend to like the services. I don't have to have a subscription to. I just buy a number, and they charge me for it every month. Usually, those numbers cost like between two and five dollars a month, and you can get a local number with your uh, uh, area, with your prefix there. Um, okay. Let's go to step five. Determine what your delivery system is. So like you have to think, okay, so I, I know I've got it set up. I've written it. It's going to be tracked. Now, how am I going to send it? What am I, what is the envelope going to be? Am I going to handwrite it or not? Am I going to live stamp or bulk stamp? Am I going to use three-dimensional mail? Am I going to use FedEx, UPS, USPS? I mean, the answer to where you should start is start as the simplest, easiest way to get started. Don't overcomplicate it for yourself. Don't, don't do anything outside of your comfort zone in the beginning. Just get it started. Um, which if it means your receptionist is just going to write a few envelopes every day, you know, to mail these out to get started, fine. If it means that you're going to just print Avery labels on, you know, you're going to print out labels and that's how you're going to get started, fine. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. I'm just going to tell you to make sure you track it and then test it, right, to see if you can do better. Let's get started. Um, we're, we're trying to develop a control piece, but you have to make this decision of how you're going to do it. And then once you make that decision, set it up, run it for four weeks, see what your results are, and then test something else against it. That, that's the goal. Um, a lot of folks use direct mail for the first time, and then they give up because maybe it didn't work or whatever. Direct mail takes time. I, I, I'm, listen, it took me probably a year and a half to figure out a direct mail piece that worked for me. Uh, I was committed to it. I, I knew that I'd figure it out. My list was a lot harder than yours is going to be. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't oftentimes surprise me to see attorneys take a month, two months, three months to figure this out. Um, it's just part of the process. And then even after they figure it out, just continuing to test it is so very important. Okay, um, six, you have to de determine the process. So um, what what day are you going to send the mail? So is it weekly? Is it monthly? Is it daily? When are you going to send it? You've got to set this rule in place. So here's when I'm going to send it. 
Um, who's going to manage the assembly process, right? So are you hiring somebody to do this? Is it somebody in your office who's going to do this? You're going to hire a stay-at-home mom. That's kind of what I do. It's my kind of go-to. Who's going to make sure they have the list and they they work with the printer to get the printed pieces? And, you know, is the pieces going to be personalized? Like you're going to say, Dear Sam on it, or you're going to have their case number on it or something like that. Um, you know, and then where, when, who, you know, who is to, where are they going to assemble it? When are they going to assemble it? Who's going to assemble it? Um, who's going to get the postage and and who's going to take the pieces of the post office? You got to think through this, right? And like you got to lay it out. Now, if you hire a vendor to do all this for you, which you can, you don't think about any of this. But if you're going to do it in house, you got to lay this out for yourself. And then you just got to set rules and you got to kind of set a system and a process involved and let that person go and run with it. You should not be micromanaging this. You should think through it, set it up, and give it to somebody else to manage. Whether that's in house or a vendor, I don't care. But it's got to be done by somebody else. How often, you're going to re how often are you going to measure the results? Again, I think you should measure the results every four weeks. I, I do watch it every week, but that's because I measure all results just about every week, but four weeks is plenty. Um, and when you're going to run a new test. And again, I, I, I don't test every four weeks. Um, I probably, my direct mail probably runs pretty static now that I figured it out um, for six months at a clip. Um, but I will tell you that in the beginning, you're going to want to probably test every four weeks to see um, what's working or maybe every eight weeks because it'll maybe take a little time to, to make some changes to your system and you don't really want to stop. You want to keep it going once you've started it. All right. Uh, and then finally, uh, determine your vendor. So who's going to be your copywriter? Who's going who's gonna to do your printing? Um, your local printer can likely do this for you relatively inexpensively. You probably don't use a national printer unless you, you're sending an awful lot of pieces every single week. I do use a national printer, but I send a thousand pieces a week and I, I buy, you know, 10,000 pieces at a clip because I send the same piece. They're not personalized and so on and so forth. Um, uh, you know, are, is there going to, you're going to pay somebody else to assemble and handwrite. Are you going to find a company that does that for you? You're going to hire a house mom. What are you going to do? Are you can do it in house to a staff member you currently have. Who's going to run for postage? Because if you're using a live stamp, you guys, you got to go buy the stamps. The postal service is a nightmare to work with over to try to do it online. Um, how are you going to manage returns? What are you going to do with them? Are you going to enter them somewhere? You know, how are you going to manage them? Um, and then um, are you going to test? Who's going to test? Who's going to run the test for you? And then measuring the results, right? So, so how are you going to look at the results that you've got? Who's going to sit down and make sure you've got all the data that you need? Is it going to be you? Or are you using a vendor to do this? Again, you can hire people to do this for you. Um, if you're going to do it in-house, you've got to just kind of line this out. So you've got to build this little system for yourself. If you can find somebody in your area that'll do it for you, I, I think that's a great choice. Um, but if you're going to do this yourself and build it out in-house, fine. These are the steps you have to think about as you're building this out. Okay. Uh, Fran, how does 4Ice fit into the system? Um, so, um, okay, so 4Ice is a vendor of ours, um, and they manage all things um, Infusionsoft. If you use Infusionsoft or you don't, you're looking for a system to harvest all of your data, automate all your communication, and measure everything. Um, and they also manage, help you manage your phone so you can make sure you're maximizing the appointment set as compared to the leads that you have. Uh, uh, Fran, the answer is 4Eyes is where the data is harvested about the lead source, and 4Eyes is where the the, the, uh, sorry, the reports are run for you to measure the results. So they'll be able to show you, you know, how many leads you generated with um, 
direct mail. They'll be able to show you how much revenue was produced from the direct mail, assuming you're putting your your gross sales numbers into uh, Infusionsoft. And um, they'll be able to show you what your return on investment is, uh, as long as they know what your cost is for um, your direct mail, which all can be entered into Infusionsoft and 4Eyes can help manage for you. So, so where does 4Eyes come in? It really, that's the harvesting and reporting so in the three areas that I teach about system building, harvest every single piece of information about every single lead every single time and inspect everything by report and then automate. So Infusionsoft or Four Eyes that runs those systems, they do all three of those things. They give you a place to harvest everything, they show you how to inspect by report, and then they automate it so that it can, you can you know, generate this thing with a click of a button. All right, so frequently asked questions, and we're over. I get it. So if you got to go, you got to go, but I'm going to run through these. And if you have questions as I'm going through, obviously I'll keep answering them. Um, should I really use direct mail in my practice area? So heard that as a question the other day, or yesterday it was emailed into me. Somebody said, um, hey, I'm, um, I don't do felonies. I, I, I don't handle like federal cases in criminal. Should I still use direct mail? And my answer is, you know, Mike Chastain, um, it, it specializes in sex offender cases, um, yet he developed direct mail specifically for DUI and grew his DUI practice to have an automated practice that generated revenue whilst was out there um, serving his clients in sex offender uh, cases as well as looking for new referral sources and developing other businesses inside of his business. So yeah, uh, you can use direct mail to attract um, the non-federal cases. Um, in your practice area. Most practice areas uh, can be used. I, I haven't come across one yet that I can't figure out how to use direct mail, although I'm sure there are. Um, so family law, so family law is the other one. That was the big one. Like um, family law lawyers are really sensitive to this. I, I do understand it. Um, one, because like of the spouse safe address concept. And I did buy into that for a long time. Um, but I'm now seeing um, clients use that very successfully in family. I've always felt like we could buy lists for family law and send direct mail to family law. I bet I've had most family law attorneys push back on it and say they didn't want to do it uh, in fear of, you know, upsetting the apple cart. Um, but I, I just believe for a long time you could you could purchase lists and develop family law clients out of this. And I'm right, you can. Um, I covered the DUI versus felony. Estate planning oftentimes is one I hear, well, how will I do it with estate planning? And, and the answer is, you know, estate planning is usually at people's top of mind when there's major changes, when there's a divorce, when there's a new home bought, where there's a child born, when there's a death in the family. And you can buy lists on all those people and you should be mailing them. Um, what should I do if my bar requires advertising material on the envelope? Do it anyway. Um, Phoenix required advertising material on the, on the envelope. Matter of fact, that it required, I think, that it said the font had to be twice the size. That advertising material had to be twice the size of what the other font was. So we just put, you know, advertising material. There's ways around it. We've heard great ideas like, you know, um, um, this is not your regular or average advertising material or whatever. There's, there's ways to do it. There's people that put it in the address bar area. Every bar association is different. You all have different guidelines and rules. And again, by all means, you want to make sure you run this through ethics council or follow the guidelines your bar association wants you to use, but don't let it stop you. I, I know people in Phoenix who are getting a four to five percent return on their direct mail, and um, they're, they're, they have to put advertising material on the envelope. So it should, it should be a non-issue. Uh, twice the font. Thank you. 
paper in the back, not your normal legal advertising. Yeah, there you go. So Howard, so it's twice the font size on the envelope is the rule and he puts it on the back and it says not your normal legal advertising. You know, there's ways around this, right? Um, Scott, I put three business cards in every mail maze, ask family to keep one card, pass out two if they know. Yeah, I love it. It expands the impact at no added cost. I agree. You can do the same thing with uh, free reports that you send. Um, so if somebody requests a free book, you can send out multiple copies of your book for the same reason. Um, you could do a book with multiple bookmarkers. So yeah, absolutely. There's no better time to ask for referrals than in the beginning of the relationship. And so Scott, I love it. You're telling people straight off that you use, um, uh, you, you accept referrals and it's something that you expect as a firm. Uh, direct mail seems time expensive and time and it seems expensive and time consuming. It can be both, um, but expensive is relative. So um, it's all about return on investment. I don't care if my direct mail piece costs me a um, dollar or it costs me twenty dollars to send out. It's all about what is my return on investment. So I'm measuring that. I've covered that. And time consuming. Um, yeah, until you develop a system in-house or find a vendor to do it for you, it can be time-consuming. And, and in the beginning, like anything else, there is a time commitment to getting the, the copy written, and there's a time commitment to um, getting the graphics done and, and finding the list source. And yeah, there, of course there is. But it's really, remember, you make a, if you're in chaos, the only way out of chaos is to make a, make a living from nine to five and a fortune from five to nine. The only way out of chaos is to develop yourself little oil wells that you can count on that are going to be repeatable over and over again. The path out of chaos is not doing less. The path out of chaos is doing the more of the right things. And the right things to do is developing yourself oil wells that will generate you leads over and over and over again. And once you conquer this direct mail pattern and you develop a system for it, this is one of those things that will develop you new leads over and over and over again. And so is it is the investment of time and money worth it? Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm having this conversation with you. I think it should be one of your major oil wells. Is it scalable? It is to the extent of the list that you can buy, right? So if you're a DUI attorney and you're sending out to people who have DUIs, you can only send out to as many people who have DUIs. If you're a bankruptcy attorney and send out to people who are sued, you can only send out to as many people who are sued. So you're limited to the number of pieces you can get that you know that you can only you can only send as many as you can. Like I've got one client who there are no lists available. They literally have to go courthouse to courthouse. Uh, manually and have pay somebody manually to go out there and get the names like every day and build manually these lists. So like where I might pay 10 cents a name, they pay like a buck a name, but because nobody else is doing it, it's a very ripe market for them. Um, but you know, is that scalable? Well, yeah, sometimes we have to do the things that aren't scalable to get a unique competitive advantage in our marketplace. Um, sometimes doing the non-scalable item is what we need to do. And direct mail is one of those things that I find it, it definitely has the value in both return on investment and repeated oil well status. Uh, not to mention the increase in perfect client lifecycle clients because you can send it to unconverted leads. Uh, I don't believe my bars. Look, I've never met a bar association that didn't allow direct mail. I, I've met a bar association, and maybe I'm wrong, but I've met a bar association that um, has had specific parameters for direct mail. I've even seen bar associations that have specific parameters for practice area in direct mail. So like, you know, the, the subsidy of the bar association in a particular practice area has some certain things about direct mail. But I very rarely hear them say you can't do it. It's just, you have to do certain things in order to do it. So 
uh, again, I wouldn't go to the bar and ask them. That's not my methodology. My methodology go to ethics council and ask them. And the question isn't, can I do something? The question, remember, the right question to ask is, how can I do something? Uh, I'm in Texas. I understand oil wells. You're welcome, Amy. Would you do different mail pieces for different areas of law that you do? Uh, yeah, Maria, but I would only, I would start with one. Uh, so I would I would start with one first, and then yes, I would absolutely do dif different direct mail pieces for areas of law. So, you know, I would have look at a bankruptcy firm. I would have a different direct mail piece for a garnishment than I would somebody who was sued, than I would somebody who had a foreclosure, right? So I'd have three different direct mail pieces. Um, for that, it's the same practice area, um, but three different direct mail pieces. If I'm in family law, I'm going to have a direct mail piece for divorce. I'm going to have a direct mail piece for custody, for grandparents' rights, for adoption, right? Uh, if I'm in estate planning, I might have a direct, different direct mail piece for uh, wills and estates, uh, wills than I would estates or asset protection. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm going to have different direct mail pieces for different types of practice areas. Quick recap. Uh, you can use direct mail to attract new potential clients, convert unconverted leads, collect uncollected receivables. Um, getting your direct mail piece open is your number one priority. Uh, once you build the system, it runs over and over and over again, and make sure you test to maximize your results. That is basically direct mail in a nutshell in an hour and 12 minutes. I can't believe I did direct mail in an hour and 12 minutes. Much bigger topic. Love to cover it on, on further future webinars. But for today, I hope that this was helpful to you. Uh, it looks like I've lost, oh, we've actually got quite a number of people still here. Uh, if anybody has questions, I'm happy to answer them. Um, otherwise, uh, if, you have, if you'd like to get, um, I, we don't sell on this webinar, like I said, but if you are new to our world and you want to get some one-on-one -on -one time with us, you can go to uh, therichardjames.com forward slash PPGP. You can schedule a slot with us and we can uh, spend some time with you and, and look at direct mail or any other system inside of your practice. Um, what is the best list to start for bankruptcy? Fran, my favorite list for bankruptcy is law are lawsuits. Um, uh, the reason I say that is while foreclosures are usually good lists, it depends on your state. Um, depending on the state that you're in and how foreclosures are handled in your state, uh, foreclosures can take some time and they can get a little messy. There are other states where foreclosure mail works really, really well uh, because of the urgency and, and how they and the way the state manages their foreclosures. But typically across all bankruptcy markets, uh, lawsuits work really, really well. Uh, garnishments work really well too, but lawsuits are usually the strongest. Any other questions about direct mail? Going once, going twice. All right, folks, my name is Richard James. I look forward to working with you in the future, but today it was happy and enjoyable for me to work with you, building your practice better, one direct mail piece at a time. We'll talk again real soon. Have a great day.